0: Welcome to the Mike Signorelli podcast. It's good to have you. Over the next 30 minutes, I'm going to do my best to answer the questions that you're actually asking. Before we jump in, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. Come on, let's get started. Hey, what's up everyone? This is the Mike Signorelli Podcast. Welcome back. And I'm super excited because I have one of my favorite, I'm just gonna say it, one of my favorite people in the whole world. It, um, <laughs> I probably offended many of you who think you're in that category, but it's someone who actually is here with me right now. Um, his name is Christopher Matthew. You're an entrepreneur, business owner, um, artist. I'm gonna put you in the artist category too. <laughs> Brilliant mind. And uh, we how long have we known each other? Uh, I think it's been about three or four
1: years now. Uh, we met one of your trips before you actually moved to New York yeah, when you right. were kind of setting up V1 and coming out to meet the people who were kind of broadcasting right out of the living room.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you're taking me back. I forgot about that because everyone's like, you got to meet this guy. You, you know, you guys will vibe or whatever. And I think they were right. I think they were right. Um, so I'm, I'm glad I'm glad it happened <laughs> oh, man. that makes me feel a bit better because I was really aggressive with that intro <laughs> but um, we me and you are always getting into something but maybe help the audience kind of understand like what you do a little bit more like kind of because you're to me you're one of the most unique people I've ever met I've been all over the world and you're you're, you're a thinking man but your heart is equal size your brain and so what are you, kind of what are you getting into right now maybe that's a better question
1: uh, yeah i mean I, I appreciate that intro and I, my answer when i meet people you know that quick 30 second like cocktail party answer when they say what do you do i kind of answer either it depends on the day you know it depends on the day of the week or i try to answer with what i'm really excited about or giddy about at the moment you know because we kind of always label ourselves to what we're doing as far as our job or what we're doing as a vocation and not necessarily what's setting us on fire at the time. But um, depending on the day, I mean, I own a men's hair salon, a private men's hair salon, and uh, I call myself a recovering lawyer because I don't practice traditionally anymore. But being a former brand protection trademark attorney kind of helps me in my new pursuits and helping other people in theirs as far as branding, marketing, and kind of just building
0: businesses from the ground up. Yeah, you know what, I just want to take a step back because like if you're watching this today or if you're listening right now, we want to do this to help you. That's the whole reason why we even do this. And um, you know, I said you're an entrepreneur, but you did like a very New York thing. So I'm from Indiana, you're from New York, you're from New York, right? Like born and raised, like the real deal. I try to pretend like I am when I'm on the subway. So I don't get jumped. Sometimes I think
1: I think you're more New York than all of us now.
0: <laughs> With the beanie on, this yeah. is This is I might mug him. Mug it's him. August. <laughs> it is not August, okay? But you did something that to me. You said, "What would happen if you labeled yourself by your passion?" and what sets you on fire, what gets you giddy, and not by maybe what you do. And that to me is something that, like for example, I, I when I first started coming out to New York, I would play shows. And I was a pastor, but I'd also, so when people would ask me, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a traveling musician. And it was true because I had traveled to New York to play that show. And I think in New York, I'm from a blue collar culture in Northwest Indiana where, what do you do? I'll, I work in the steel mill, I'm a steel mill worker. And I I love what you said. So maybe if you're listening, that's something you could take away from this right off the jump. Like, what if you started to to define yourself by your passions? What sets you on fire? You know, because you're somebody, I think, that has this insane curiosity. Let me. Okay. I don't know if this I'm kind of this is a lot of this is we're just freestyling right now. But I want to know this. This is my selfish moment. How do you stir up that curiosity? Because for you to go from law to hair to, I mean, you know, it's like you to me, you're curious. You're always hit me up about some new thing. How do you stoke the the flames?
1: I I think, you know, to be completely honest, it's I can't turn it off. I, I almost wish that I could at times. Uh, because I'll latch onto something or get wind of something new or something that like, is on the you know, outskirts or the peripheral of something I'm working on. And then I'll deep dive into that because I don't want to just know it from a surface or facial perspective. And that's what happens. But sometimes it can make you, especially to people around you, your loved ones, it makes you look like you have no direction or that you're always into something new where in your mind, you have this umbrella where all of these different spokes are going to these things that all form, you know, the thing that you're trying to build and the thing that you want to function as a unit. Um, So that's that's something that for a long time, even my wife didn't get, she's like, oh, this new thing. And it wasn't a new thing. It was just that when I got excited about something, I didn't hide it Mm. and I would just dig into it. And then sometimes you find like this is nonsense or I hate this and I don't want to ever do this. But if you, I think that's a better way to approach it than to just jump around and learn just the, you know, the small amount or the basics of one thing Man, and, then, and then call sure. yourself, you know, that that thing
0: yeah I love that because okay sometimes when as i 'm doing the podcast and i 'm interviewing someone, I can kind of feel the pain points in the audience, and when you said that it could be viewed as random or people don 't get it, I immediately thought there are a ton a ton of people listening right now who maybe you, you, know, and you know for me, I identify with that because when you come from a blue collar region, like they called Northwest Indiana a brain drain. I ended wow. up teaching high school. I taught. I was the youngest advanced placement comp teacher in the state of Indiana, and they said Indiana has a problem where we do not retain our brightest students. They because they feel like in order to, for me to go to the next level, I have to leave this place. And to be honest with you, I don't know if it's still true. I haven't, I haven't lived there in a, in a little bit, but there were, it was a brain drain. And so, I, I, for me, I always felt like people didn't get it. They're like, why would you not want to work overtime in the steel mill and buy a big house and have a car and just like coast, you know, cause that's pretty much the grind out there. And I, so maybe how do you, but the difference I think between you and a lot of people is you monetize your passions. You know, like, like I know, try. like I know a lot of people who get into a lot of things. That's the New York edition. Indiana is like, you're just, you're random but you're you're broke and random you know and i I think for you you've had that entrepreneurial edge
1: well yeah i mean i think there's there's something to be said about one being comfortable and and living with what you have and in the moment so if you are happy and you feel uh you know fulfilled going to the steel mill getting a little overtime, having a beer with your buddies and then having a comfortable place to come home and provide that's more than okay, and the other things that you get into can be hobbies, and that's fine. Uh, but when you are going to spend a significant amount of time, unless you're independently wealthy, if you're going to spend a significant amount of time on something, then you have to figure out how it either plays into the end game, the overall vision, or how you're going to going to monetize that itself.
0: Right. And that's the thing. It's like, I remember my wife, and I'm just busting her out. You know, I'm doing this, like, internationally right now. I'm not in on uh, <laughs> this.
1: Unless it's good. Then well, i well, you know, It
0: was like, okay, when music was a hobby, and it cost our family money, like, I would buy the equipment I did have the money for and would get it anyways, it was like, she didn't want me to do it. But then I remember when I started figuring out the entrepreneurial side of music, and now I'm taking her out on dates with that money, and now I'm paying, bills. literally when it got to the point where I was paying bills with music, my wife was like, when are you gonna play another show? When are you? you know, it, it flipped it, and I think there's probably a lot of people, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm gonna speak right to you right now. There's a difference, this is how the rebrand, there's a difference between being random and being a renaissance man. Random, you're broke. Renaissance man, you've monetized it. Yeah. I like you know that. what I mean? Yeah. Like, like nobody's yeah. going to be mad at what no. you're doing as long as you know how to make money doing it. Yeah, and I mean uh, one of the things
1: I think that comes out of that is whether we know it or not, it all comes back to status, right? Mm-hmm. And and what I've learned is people don't do things that demote their status it's very hard for you to do it unless you see a jump you know short term take it take a hit and then you make a jump so in that situation you saw the jump so you were going to be this broke musician and you were going to dig in and and that's why you know so much about audio and music and while you were able to travel and do the things you've done but the other people may not have had that vision and they see it as a status hit like once again, you go to the party. What do you do? Oh, I'm just working on my music. Or better yet, they ask that person that you're with, what, oh, what do you guys do? Well, I have an MBA. He's working on his music, <laughs> you know? And that, 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 that takes a hit to your status. You're not that powerful couple, or you're not, yeah. you know, you're not killing it at whatever you're doing. So that's one of those things where, you know, monetization is good because especially in a city like this, you need the money, but I don't think it's the most important thing. I think what it is is that we have to learn to be okay with our status, whatever that is, and even taking a hit to that if we wanna dig deep on something we wanna be better at or, or live out, you know? That's
0: gold, yes. You know, I'm thinking um, as a musician, I remember stories of uh, Robert Zimmerman moves to New York City, changes his name to Bob Dylan, and then he basically would book himself three, four, and five gigs a night and work out the lyric. He would wait to see the crowd response, rewrite the lyric on the way to the next gig, and he was just hustling, and he got it to the point where he was refining the Songs to where he knew I've already played this live. I've already refined it, and I know the crowd response. So when I put this on a record, I already know what's going to happen. But but the thing is, he had no status, and he was willing to fail at every single venue until he got that lyric right, that line right. And I feel like you're right. I think it, it was funny because I don't know that I said I want to. I'm going to monetize, you know, music. I think the way I was thinking about it was how can I actually make something that someone likes? And then I had that realization that there's 7 billion people on the planet. And I just need a thousand of them a month to buy one song. And that paid my mortgage in Indiana. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, with you, it's like, I've watched you make a lot of transitions, um, and diff, you know do different things and it's like how do you navigate because that sounds like a transition right where you go from one thing to the next and I think as a pastor what I the pain point in most people's lives is like okay I'm fired up I can shut this podcast off right now and I'm gonna go do that thing but then there's a transition how do you navigate transition as someone who's in the entrepreneurial space and
1: yeah so I mean like anyone else I don't particularly like to be uncomfortable Uh, i'm not going to say that i enjoy those moments or that i always enjoy the process because i don't i work on it you know because like the whole idea of like dopamine right like you're most excited before you get the thing that you've been or unwrap the present and you could even be you could be more excited about someone else unwrapping a present than you getting the gift yourself, right? So it's that that translates in, in our world to process. But we wanna skip that process because we wanna get to the end, build it up so we can go do the next thing. And part of that, because that process is the uncomfortable period. And as much as I would love to enjoy the ride and, and love to not make any money trying something and, and feel inept and you know not know what I'm doing, I, I've realized that it's the most important and it's like it's like looking back at high school everyone told you it was the best time of your life and you didn't know it and now we look back and we're like i would love to go back to high school so i've started retraining myself to know that while i'm in it this is the best time because when it's done Mm -hmm. it's going to just be something to maintain as opposed to grind and build Uh, so that's one of the things where it's like that's how i deal with transition and then the other is just kind of counter steering and forcing yourself to do something because I have done things that have made me you know by financial standards successful and then I walk away from them and everyone's like oh you always do what you say you're going to do but I always do what I say I'm going to do because I said it And now I'm not going to have somebody attack my status as a person who says and does what he's going to say. So I'm like, I'm quitting this thing. (laughs) You know, I built it up. It's time to go. I'm moving on to the next thing. What are you going to do? I don't know, but I'm going to do it. And I almost force myself. Into that space of walking away from something that's comfortable Mm
0: -hmm. if
1: I'm starting to become passionate or, you know, get on fire about something else.
0: Man, this number one, I just want to like take like a pause and say there's so much gold in this. Like these conversations, you can't just have these conversations anywhere. And because you I, I think you've earned the right. Like I'll put it like this there's preachers where I could be like hey here's a script of what I preached on Sunday just just get good memorize the script and you do it at your church and it wouldn't hit because I think there's always going to be a correlation between having authority in something you know because you lived it you walked it out right like and you could just feel the weight on someone's words and it's funny because there's a lot of people parroting you know Gary Vaynerchuk. there's a lot of people that parrot Simon Sinek but they it's funny because you could hear there's no weight or gravity on their words because they, it sounds good, but you know, they haven't done it. But then for you, you're, you're literally living these things you're talking about and people who don't know like where you've come from and all the things you've accomplished don't know the extent of it. But the funny thing I'm, I'm thinking while you're talking is when you study like legends in any industry, you realize that they failed and annied up again over and over again. And then, or they would build something up big and then gamble it like they were a startup. And for me, I've had this in my mind, like when we got to a certain point in Long Island, I'm preaching 52 weeks a year, it's explosively growing, everyone's telling me we haven't seen a church grow this fast in, in 25 years out of here, what are you gonna do? And I'm like, I'm gonna go start another one yep. in Queens and then only be here halftime. And it, it, I'm telling you, I go back and I'm not saying this to step on any toes for V1 church people, but I go back and look at the videos we posted and the hype train we tried to build towards Queens and those videos did not get likes, they didn't get shares because really what it felt like was like a divorce, like dad's leaving us, you know, and it was like people didn't know how to stomach, like the vision being bigger and everyone says they want something to grow until it grows. And or you change it and you pivot. And so, I that's a long way of me saying one of the things that I respect the most about you is you build something up where you're like, it works, and then you push all your chips in the table and you re up on it again and again and again. And the thing that I've tried to remind myself is I finally got to that point on Long Island where I was like, whoa, our teams are massive, load and load out is easy. We're we, we actually were in the beginning phases of people doing alternate weekends where it's like you don't even have to be on on every week it was like things started getting comfortable and then this little alarm went off in my soul that said now it's time to to go back to startup phase it's time to like so how do you I mean I don't I don't even know I think that that got into me because I'm obsessively reading autobiographies so it's like I I just kind of like intuitively know like all the narrative is always the same so how do you get to that point where you're like it's time for me to go in on something. It's time for me to walk away from this, go into something new. What, what initiates that? Because I, and I, I know this is a big question, yeah, but here I talk to pastors who, I can't say their names, can't tell you where they're located, <laughs> but they amass a large sum of money in the bank. And then they sell some property that the church used to own and downsize. And they look at that number and say, I'm never going to pass the baton. I'm never going to retire. The vision's never going to grow. They literally implicitly or explicitly are like, I'm going to die in this spot. But me and you are so opposite that mentality. How could you bring someone to the other side to be like?
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) And even before I started to unpack it, I wanted to say you're, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, this book, Rocket Fuel, and I believe it's Gino Wickman who wrote it, but he, he speaks on this idea of visionary and, um, uh, I lost the, the term, but basically the visionary and the person who executes, uh. right? So in that situation, he says that most people believe that they can be both, but they're not. And I think you're one of those rare mixes of both, because I've seen you have big vision, but I've seen you do the intricate um, execution of those visions down to, you know, down to plugging something in for sound or testing. And there are people like myself, like I consider, or I know now that I'm a visionary. Now I've executed every step of the way, but that's because I've had to, I haven't had the team. So I think you have this rare, like, you know, that extra gene where you can be both. Um, But that said, uh, I don't know that I think that some people maybe they don't have either and they are born to die on that spot. You know, wow. they did the best they could do. That's good. With what they were given. And that's OK, because you need people like that. You need people that are that are like they they serve a purpose and they exist and then they consume. Potentially, they need somebody like you to come in and take over or they need somebody like you to subsume their audience or whatever. Mm-hmm uh and and i have this conversation often with people in the hair industry right i see these memes about you know for barbers stop doing ten dollar haircuts we should all have a collective raise on our price Mm -hmm. which you know is for me is silly because if everyone gets this collective boost just because then everyone has this new baseline and you're not you're not it's so easy to be great right now because you just have to do something slightly different and better mm-hmm. and you make all those 7 and 10 dollar haircuts or all those small places or all those people regurgitating the same five books that everyone else is reading you make them look exactly what they are they're they're at their ceiling or they're mm-hmm. imposters or they're not willing to do the work to break that ceiling yeah. so i want as many of those people around you know selfishly because it just helps me to show that I am creating value and I am putting something out there that can be done and you can charge a premium for it.
0: Yeah, man. Okay, this is, this is I'm always trying to ask myself, what's the subtext in the whole conversation? And correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm feeling, what we're both trying to communicate is extreme self-awareness like know what you are and be okay with that. And one's not better than the other. Cause like I asked you, how do you stir up your curiosity and you didn't give like some inspirational, like, Hey, put music behind this and it's going to change the world. It literally was like, I wish I could stop it Yeah. because that's who you are. And I think that some, somebody listening right now, maybe you need to get real with yourself and say, I need to work at the steel mill, be an honest worker and then shift some things into the hobby territory, double down on my family, double down on my marriage and be okay with that.
1: Yeah, because I mean you asked like how do I decide when to transition, right? And sometimes your goals change. So when I was not married and I didn't have a daughter, I wanted to be on the go and I wanted somebody to send me around to go teach this stuff in salons or mm-hmm. you know, go on go educate on stage or have athletes that i worked with fly me out for their whatever endorsement they were doing and now that's the furthest thing from what i want now what i want to do is get out of the salon more so i can pick my daughter up every day at two thirty, and that's what transitions so now it's like well what what do i know what can i do with that and how can i be in my house by two thirty? Yeah. You know, and you put yourself in that box and you work from within that box as opposed to like, oh, I think outside the box and I can do anything crazy. It's like, no, these are the parameters I'm given. I have a thousand bucks and I want to be home at two thirty. What can I do with that? You know? And (laughs) yeah. And the people who who, you know, you may. You know, spend all that and not get anywhere, but you'll figure it out if you keep working from where you're at as opposed to jumping around because you only did a surface level dive on whatever it is you thought you were going to be. Photographer, makeup artist, um, you know, do click funnels, whatever it is that you thought you were going to do, but you only had that little bit of knowledge, you know. And like they say, it's a a little bit of knowledge is dangerous because then you go out there and you start trying to talk about something that, you know. You might know a little bit about like astronomy and then you (laughs) run into Neil deGrasse Tyson or you tweet something and he responds and it's like, you're an idiot.
0: (laughs) Well, you haven't said that one time and don't go back into my Twitter feed because I know that's a thing right now, but um, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins said in one interview he would never release like a double box set. So I called him out on on Twitter and he just ripped me and every single one of the Smashing Pumpkins fans (laughs) ripped me because like he had a different... different perspective, and I had just enough knowledge to make a good tweet, what I thought was a very eloquent, you know, and uh, I got ripped, but... Um, we're kind of winding down now. This has been a phenomenal talk. I just want to say before we shut this thing down, it's been such an honor to have you on and I respect you so much. You're, you're in like the short line of people that like, when you talk, I listen because, um, you're very well read and, but more so than that, you have this grit of experience on you, you know? And I, I, guess what I heard you saying right before was calibration, you know, like recalibrating and and I think sometimes when we sit down, we don't take the time to do that. There's there's this thing right now where people, you know, are trying to they want the outcome, but they don't they, they don't properly assess what's it going to take to get that, you know. So it's like you and, and it works so well, but you, hey, swipe up so we could teach you how to do the click funnels thing. And you want the money that results from doing that successfully, but you don't want the whole process and you don't want to think, when am I going to film it? Who's going to film it? How much is that? You know, it's like, and, and so I think for you, what I respect about what you do is that recalibration, you know, and what does that entail? Just sitting down and really like methodically thinking like, okay, what are the factors in my life? Where am I at right now? And because I think I work with a lot of people where I, I pop the proverbial bubble, And I'm like, okay, because I tell people, okay, you want to do this. Because what makes me different as a pastor is I'm more apostolic. So I'm like, I want to help you fulfill your dreams. So get your calendar out. And then I look, and according to them, okay, there's one day this month you can film content. So let's schedule it now. And then they give me a whole reasons why they can't. I'm like, okay, so now you're telling me your dreams deferred till next month. Let's look. And we do that. And then I realize it never fits. Yeah. And they just want the outcome of that dream. So I guess it's just kind of in the closing minutes here, help somebody, like how do they get to that point of extreme ownership of their situation and, and, and honest enough to, to, to cause I, I would love for somebody to message me back or DM me or whatever, email me after listening to this and say, my heart was set at ease about this thing. I got clarity, I went from chaos to clarity.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's going to be different for everybody. And I think inherently, you know, if you're somebody who's built for more or that you desire to do something like a Gary V, Simon Sinek, write a book, whatever it is that you think that you should be doing, that's not what you're doing now. Uh, The actual process is different. I mean, uh, you know, we've talked about how consumption is like a thread that runs through genius level offerings. People who are considered a genius in a certain area, they tend to show a lot of consumption of other creative works, yeah. right? So I tend to have my best ideas in the car, in the shower, when I'm listening to something, somebody who I respect or somebody who has a perspective that whether I agree with or not, is, is triggering something in me. And from that, I kind of work from big vision down to okay what's piece by piece what's it going to take who mm-hmm. am i going to serve how am i going to serve them what problem is it going to solve and how's their life going to look after it? i've i've solved it for them mm-hmm. and then everything else you fill in those pieces um and oh, and yeah, i think that's so kind of how yeah. how my process works but it could be different some people go on writing retreats or just need quiet or music whatever it is if you have those creative juices they'll flow and then you just need to find out where and foster that.
0: Man, I love that. This, this is gonna have to be like a part two. Um, I wanna just land on this thing, and we're closing right here. You said that at the end is how can I help someone? And if, you're, if you think about your goal, at the end of your goals, how can I help myself? You've already lost.
1: Hundred percent. Because
0: I mean people tell me all the time, I'm an introvert by nature. I've talked about that at length. I don't want to post on Instagram. I literally don't. I don't even want social. But I get enough DMs from people thanking me because of some inspirational quote or some post, whatever, that I and I'm super choleric. So I, I'm like, yes, I help someone. I'm gonna keep doing that thing. And so for you, you're reverse engineering. How can I help someone? And if you're out there, maybe that's the first step to recalibrating your dream is saying, wait a second, my end result's wrong. I'm thinking about how much money I can make to help myself I've already lost. I'm going to think about it in reverse. Um, So I'm going to shut it down here. You heard it from the monk and the merchant today. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Chris, for being on. And guys, send me a message. Share this with somebody. I know this helped you. I know it can help more people. And I'll see you next episode. If this episode helped you in any way, visit MikeSignarelli.com and sign up to receive encouragement and resources directly to your inbox. I'll see you over there and I'll see you next episode.